This special Answers for Elders podcast honoring military veterans is sponsored by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E dot com. This is Chuck Olmstead. I'm out here at Patriots Landing in DuPont, Washington. And uh, our veterans interview today is with Leonard LaDuke. He is a retired U.S. Army. Uh, Leonard, welcome to Answers for Elders. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's a privilege to be here. Well, it's good to meet you, and uh, you and I have uh, just been chatting a little bit before we recorded, but uh, I, I always like to ask my questions fresh because uh, it's always interesting for me to discover uh, the stories of our veterans and uh, kind of like what their life was like before and after the service. So. You and I were chatting about the Midwest, but I didn't really find out exactly where you grew up. Well, I grew up in, in Kansas on a kind of a little farm town. My mother didn't like to live on the farm, and my dad didn't like to live in the city. So this little town we moved into, and then he had land right next to the town, and it seemed to work pretty good. Well, Kansas in the summertime, you and I were talking about Midwest weather. Uh, that's just plain hot in the summer, isn't it? Yeah, it's about 112 is what it used to get. And, but it's all wheat country. I mean, it's, and what I like about Kansas is this, it's like a giant checkerboard. You know, you drive one mile, and then you it, at the end of the section, you got three ways to go. So... That's right. So did your did your dad uh did he uh grow wheat out there? Wheat and corn and we had pigs and so on and so forth and it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Well what was what was Kansas like growing up as a young boy? Oh, it was great. I mean, people used to they never locked their doors and they never they left their keys in the car and so on and so forth, and, and we'd come back from, we had a, the county seat was about 15 miles away, and that's where we'd done most of our shopping, and one time we came back, I remember, and I had a fit, well, we had a big farm truck, and it was gone, and my dad said, Oh, don't worry about it. It'll come back in a couple of days. <laughs> so, <laughs> Somebody so, had to borrow it, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was fun. Well, when, <clears throat> when people that don't know about Kansas, when they think about Kansas, they always think of uh, the Wizard of Oz and tornadoes. Were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were there a lot of tornadoes when you were growing up? Uh, not too many. Uh-huh. Not, not where I lived. I lived about... Fifteen miles from the Nebraska border, right in the center of Kansas. So, it's uh, it wasn't just we had bad weather, but we didn't have any. Didn't have a lot of tornadoes. Yeah, well, that can always be. Even growing up in the Midwest, I remember a few times of tornadoes coming very close to our house, and Mm -hmm. and that's always a frightening experience when you've got, you know, those tornadoes coming through. Mm -hmm. So, tell me about. Uh, after you were out of high school and uh, thinking about the service, what uh, what what well, happened with you? I got out of high school and I went to work on a. Uh, the, remember the missile bases they put in the silos? Yes, I do. Okay, we put some in Kansas, and some in Nebraska, and some in Colorado, and. Uh, 
and I quit that job. It was it was pretty rough. It was seven uh, fourteens, mm. so uh, you didn't have much time. You made a lot of money, but you didn't have no time to spend it. <laughs> so you were helping to construct those. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the amount of cement and infrastructure that goes into those silos. Well, it's quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, they they pour the first wall and then they get it all set and everything. Then they pour a second wall, and they call that the slip wall. And when the rocket goes out of there, it destroys the the slip wall. But you still got the basic wall, and they can re-pour and put another missile in there. I see. Yeah. In fact, my son lived in Spokane a few years ago, and near where he lived, <clears throat> there was an abandoned site, and I actually went down into that site and looked back through the kind of the control area where the blast, uh, where the operators would set, you know, mm-hmm. and, and be um, safe from the blast coming out right. of those rocket uh, yeah. uh, engines and that sort of thing. Fortunately, those things never had to get fired, did they? Well, I'll tell you, they'd been, been the end if they'd had to fire them. Yeah, yeah. So how many, how long, uh, how many months or how long did you help uh, build? couple years and then I went to work on a pipeline and I made really good money there. Mm-hmm. And then I just quit. I got the urge. My brother was in the, my older brother was in the service and he was doing quite well. And I thought, well, I'll take a crack at it. And yeah. I liked it. So, yeah. So your brother was in the army as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what year did you decide to join? 62. 1962. Yeah. yeah. So, obviously, the the Korean War was over by several years. The mm. the Vietnam War was not really cranking up yet. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, the French were there and a few U.S., but not not a lot of U.S. at the time. Well, that it was quite a war. I, I spent some time over there, and I. Uh, I wasn't much of a politician, so I, you know, that was LBJ's war. Uh It wasn't ours. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible. Him and McAmara. Well, I think the history has kind of proved what what really went on at that war and the decisions that were made. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting to to know that, uh, you know, over 50,000 of our of our men and women didn't come back from that war. I was just reading today uh, that uh, 1918, the Great War, of course, World War One, the Great right. War, right. on September 26th was the, lar- the beginning of the largest battle in U.S. history mm. as far as the number of, of men right. in that 46-day battle the U.S. lost twenty six thousand soldiers, yeah, and that was the the largest battle on record of the number of losses. Mm-hmm. We we don't we don't comprehend that anymore. We hear yeah. about in Afghanistan, one or two or maybe ten soldiers getting killed, and it's devastating. But when you think about some of these battles, it was amazing, wasn't it? Well, the thing of it is, the equipment that they have now is far superior to what we had. I mean, it was... I've seen a helicopter knocked down with a stick. I mean, hmm. you know, so... Yeah. So how many years in Vietnam? How many uh, tours? 
one tour, but it was a long tour. Uh huh. I, I uh, sixty eight and sixty nine. Uh, interesting. Yeah, and that was a tough tough time in yeah. in <laughs> Vietnam at that time. Yeah. 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 So, what was your uh, duty assignment? Well, we uh, I was in the Ninth Infantry Division. Mm-hmm. Good good division, and uh, my first job was helicopter recovery. Recovery, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then later on I got tied in with the Navy, and we was down in the south part of Vietnam, down in the Delta, mm-hmm. and it was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. So after Vietnam, what uh, what did you do? Well, after Vietnam, I come back and. Well, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh. I, uh, when I f- first came in, I uh, I went to tank school, and I become a tanker. Interesting. And then I got sent to Korea as a tanker, and I spent 13 months in Korea. And then uh, I came out, and uh, I got sent to a top-secret post in Europe. And... Uh, I told him, I said, what are you going to do with a, a tanker? Well, we're going to make you an MP. So I was an MP for three and a half years. In Europe? In Europe, uh-huh. yeah. But it's, it's not what you think. Uh, MPs are divided into two categories, and they have uh, the roving MPs, and then they have the stationary MPs, which guard the prisons and so forth, uh-huh. and that's what we came under. I see, yeah. It was different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so. so so you, you did you serve in Europe then before you went to Vietnam? Or, yes, you, yes. I see. Uh, yeah, so I then, did. then yeah. you got the uh, call to, uh, right. to go to Vietnam. Right. Yeah. So, as we've uh, had opportunities to, to talk with other uh, veterans that served during that time, it was it's really interesting to to hear and to understand what was going on um, with the service members, especially on the racial uh, part, because the same things that were happening in stateside in the U.S. with uh, in a racial area, it was happening in the service too, wasn't it? Especially yes. in Germany and yeah. Vietnam. Germany was bad. Uh huh. Really bad. Yeah. And there yeah. were several people that we've had the opportunity to talk to that, you know, help. You know, really worked hard to try to help um, with African Americans who were dealing with some of those struggles that were going through in the service, as far as even, you know, how to how to navigate in the service. Well. It was very difficult, and uh, you had a hard time. And the the Army had the right idea, but they didn't perfect it. Hmm. And uh, it, this is my opinion, you uh-huh. know. And uh, I think that they, uh, they, they really made an effort, but they just kind of seemed to be out of beat or the, they went the wrong channel or something. Uh-huh. It's... Uh, you'd have to get somebody with a higher pay grade in mind. To, <laughs> to, I understand. Uh, but uh, as far as the troops go, they, uh, they, a lot of them, they didn't care, you know, one way or the other. He was 
black, green, or yellow, you know, y'all bled red blood. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah. That's that's a thing that you have to have to think about. Sure. So Germany, Europe, and then Vietnam, and what happens after Vietnam? And then I come back and. Some general officer thought I was a good soldier, so they sent me to a special school to be an enlisted aide. So, and but that was very hard on my family because it was twenty-four-seven. You know, if the general had to go someplace or or wanted to uh, entertain somebody or something, then you had to really put in the hours. Sure. It, it, it was a good job. I mean, you met a lot of interesting people, but it was tough. And so were you stateside at that time? Uh, no, I was in Europe. Uh-huh. And then I came to, back to the States, and that's when they sent me to school. And I was in Leavenworth, Kansas, at the, the, war, at the uh, college, the officer's college there. Interesting. So back to Kansas again. Yeah, back to back to the wheat state. <laughs> I imagine that was a transit interesting transition coming back to Kansas. Yeah, it wasn't well I could drive home and see my dad. Uh-huh. It was it was pretty nice. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So um so what year what year did you go into the army? In 62. And then you got out of the army what year? Uh 1983. 1983. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 21 years. Uh, well, it worked out. I get paid for 22. So. 20. Well, that that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, so, what happens after the army? You didn't. You didn't want to stay in any longer. You were pretty much done. Well, I was kind of fed up because that time, at that time the army was having problems. I mean, yeah. big problems. Well, yeah. Morale problems, so on and so forth, and. It used to be, you know, the, the sergeants kind of run the army, but then it it changed, and then, uh, you had to train a lot of young officers, and it was it was kind of like being on a banana peel and in, in an ice rink. So it was it was pretty tough for for a while. Yeah. So what you when you made the decision you were going to retire from the army what did you what did you do I uh, well a friend of mine was out on post and he seen that I retired and and he said how would you like to work for the governor and I said doing what and he said same thing he did when he was in the list at eight and I said yeah I'll give it a whirl and uh, I went down there and had uh, two interviews in the same day, and they took me up. The third interview was Mrs. Spellman, and uh, it was kind of kind of a freaky thing. They had a dog that was pretty grumpy, <laughs> and that dog came over and jumped up and sat in my lap. And she said, "You're hired." Really? <laughs> you had the approval of the canine, huh? Yeah. Before I did anybody else. Interesting. And that, now, governor for which state? Our. Right here. In Washington. Right in this capital, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So obviously then you must have been serving at, at Lewis, at Fort Lewis at the time? 
Yeah. When I you can, when you retired. When I retired. Interesting. Yeah. And so, um, so uh, since I didn't grow up in Washington State, so uh, what was the who was the governor at that time? Spellman. Spellman. Yeah. Okay. What year would that been then? Well, let me see. Uh, you said 82, 80, yeah, 82 right 83. In, right in that. Uh-huh. Neighborhood. Interesting. And then he got voted out and, and uh, oh, I can't think of his name now. Came in uh, Warehouser steps in. Uh-huh. And he was, he was a, a tremendous person. I mean, really liked him. He was had a good sense of humor. Uh huh. So did you stay on then with that governor? No, no, no. no. I went down to the shops. I wanted uh, lifelong. I wanted to be an electrician. Okay. So then I, I worked there for a while. I was a night custodian supervisor, and then uh, I went down. I finally got an opening, and I went down to the shops. Uh huh. And I was a probably the oldest apprentice in the state. Uh huh. But it worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a good time. Well, the, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, going back and doing some some physical labor and some and obviously as an electrician, yeah. you you, you got to have a few brains when you're dealing with two twenty and four forty. Yeah, <laughs> or else you're not going to be an electrician for long if you don't know how to deal with it. That's that's very true. <laughs> At a four forty, it's pretty bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. So then, when you say go to the shops, was that with the state? Were you working yeah. with the state? Yeah. So and and so was it um, just like maintenance? Uh, the shops. When you say the shops, was that like well, the maintenance no, areas? Or we done a lot of construction too. Uh-huh. Uh In the offices. They have a uh, a ground under the ground, and then you have these places where you can pull the wires. Right. And you have to to beat it open with a hammer, and then you pull your wires through. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So then you worked for the state of Washington uh, for how long then? Twenty-one years. Wow. So twenty-one's a kind of a good number for you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> twenty-one in the army and twenty-one with the state. Yeah. Excellent. So that would have been probably early two thousand uh, mm-hmm. or around two thousand three or two thousand four that you yeah, two thousand four. Uh huh. Yeah. So then you then you retired. Yeah. That's. Well, I finally got it right the first, uh, second time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you retire and then you got to, Well, I didn't do it; didn't retire right. So right. I didn't do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the trades are a good, good thing for young people to think about. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So, in your time in the <clears throat> army, um, uh, Leonard, what uh, what did you feel like? You came out with as far as what you learned, as far as uh, your relationship with soldiers and and with your fellow comrades, right? And it, uh, how to deal with parents, and uh, it was uh, quite interesting. And you, you train people, but you you know you can't. The army used to be a dictatorship, uh-huh. and that's what it had to be. Mm-hmm. But the people that or my age and your age, they don't like to be 
bossed around all the time. It's, they like to have a little conversation with you, and maybe maybe they have a better idea than you do. And mm-hmm. you have to bring that, fold all that in, and and uh, try and get along with people. Yeah, and yeah. It's very, very good. Yeah. Well, so tell me about your move here to Patriots Landing. What was your what, how, oh, when did yeah. you when did you move to Patriots Landing? Oh, in be four years in November. Uh huh. And uh, we like and uh, we retired first in uh, Olympia. Uh huh. And uh, then it didn't it didn't go well, right? Yeah. So we. Went to Tacoma and we tried to play center in Tacoma. And my wife finally said, you know, I'm getting tired of cooking these meals and stuff. She <laughs> said, I want to retire, too. <laughs> so my daughter got on her computer, and next thing I knew, we were moving in. <laughs> uh-huh. but I, I think it's probably been a good move for you, huh? It was tremendous, and, and uh, up to... Uh, this year in uh, April the second, my wife passed away. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. So yeah. it's been hard. Sure, you know. sure. But these people here are very—they really look out for you. I mean, it's it's an expensive place, and it costs you a lot of money, but they they, they take care of you so well that it's it's really something else i Uh mean they bring my medicine to me and they check and see if i'm all right all the time and because i moved i moved out of our old apartment which was a two-bedroom and i moved into a one Mm -hmm. and then everybody done just a tremendous job yeah yeah just they make you feel like you're, you're you're at home really well that's good you know and because um well I don't agree with them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you wouldn't be living if you didn't if you agreed all the time. I mean, that's just right. part of it. But uh, well, it seems like it's been a. It's when I come and visit here and have a chance to speak with the residents, I always, I always get a good positive uh, response from people. Right. Most of the people that that work here are just tremendous. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, they have to put up with old grumps like me all the time. And it's I don't know how they keep a smile on their face. Really <laughs> well, I'm glad they do. Well, Leonard, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us uh, okay. today. And I, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, you've been listening to Answers for Elders. And uh, my guest today is Leonard LaDuc. And uh, he uh, retired U.S. Army. And... Uh, uh, Leonard, I want to thank you for your service and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. This has been a special Honoring Veterans presentation of Answers for Elders, brought to you by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E.com. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.